I'm Aunt Kelly Anakin. And I'm Molly of Mitchell Sanchez. We're here to take birth control and talk about The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> We're all out of birth control. Thanks, Trump. This is read all over your handy Handmaid's Tale recap. Blessed be the fruit. When we first created that stinger where we're like, thanks, Trump, I was like, well, this is going to not always be relevant. Nope. Always relevant. Even more relevant. Oh, my Lord. Yikes. Oh, my Lord. That's a really good transition to a couple <laughs> shout outs I want to give. So, yikes. I'd love, we're recording this way in advance. So, you know, wish upon a star. Maybe this won't be a problem by the time this episode comes out. But um, we are recording in the midst of big abortion bans. So let me bum your stone. <laughs> this is all playing out exactly as it's supposed to from the right wing's perspective. Oh, boy. I saw a bunch of folks. This is May 24th. Okay. Incidentally, should we like take a photo of ourselves with a newspaper from today <laughs> to like prove it? The last photo they ever took. <laughs> it's okay. okay I look so- super cute today. I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, we both look great. The way that the anti-choice movement works is they are pushing all these extreme measures through that they know will not be looked upon favorably by state judiciary so that as has happened in Mississippi, the state ban was not upheld by the Supreme Court. So then they're going to keep escalating the appeals until they reach the Supreme Court, which again is why it is so terrifying that alleged rapist and beer enthusiast Brett Kavanaugh was recently confirmed as well as Neil not Gaiman what the hell is that guy's oh, name you get Neil Gaiman's name out your mouth when you're talking about Neil this Gorsh kind of stuff. Listen, babe, I don't know. Okay. Anyway, point <laughs> being, um the Republican Party is the reason that Merrick Garland wasn't confirmed when Merrick Garland should have been confirmed. And, you know, honestly, civil war seems like the only outcome to me. I'm not an optimist by nature. Yikes. Um, anyway, scary stuff is happening in our country. Please stay woke. Please, you know, do whatever you can. I don't know what that is. They're really, I mean, look, they're, all you can do is vote for candidates who believe in reproductive freedom yeah even that isn't necessarily going to help because of the way at the like presidential level and even the senatorial level as well as the house of representatives we're still functioning on an electoral college that privileges you know very sparsely populated agrarian communities so like again i'm not an optimist but (laughs) You know, uh, donate your time. Do what you can for people in your community. Donate money to the organizations that have been fighting these battles a long time. If you're just finding out, just be aware, you know, women, particularly women of color, have been fighting this fight for a really long time. Yeah. So if you're just now being affected by it, welcome, comrades. (laughs) Uh, Get in line. Get to work. Speaking of people who are getting to work, we posted on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash red all over. We posted organizations who are working to protect reproductive rights, protect abortion rights locally. And we said if you donated to some of those, we'd give you a shout out on the pod. So here we go. Sarah Kinsey, thank you so much. She donated to National Network. Shout out to Cheryl Zaron, who sent Yellowhammer Fund some cash. That's really nice. Shout out to Allie Taylor, who donated to Arkansas's Abortion Support Network, which she says is the only abortion fund in Arkansas. Thanks, Allie. Shout out 
to Leslie Schwartz, who says her knitting company donates 30% of her sales to Yellowhammer Fund, and that is the Vermont Knitting Company. You can find them on Facebook. They sound really cool. There's one person whose name I accidentally cut off, but said a friend of hers works for the National Network of Abortion Funds in Boston. So I'm sorry, girl. I screenshotted this and I cut off your name if you text me or tweet me or something i will say you on another episode but thank you guys for putting your money where your mouth is we really appreciate it and you know uh, don't let the bastards grind you down it's pretty hard yikes it's getting tougher and tougher <laughs> all the time mm. i'm starting to understand why my grandma used to complain that there was never any good news on the news <laughs> and i'm it. only 37 <laughs> well you want to dive into this episode oh my god wait am i 36 yeah, I'll be 37. <laughs> Kellyannick and I never know what my age is. That's interesting. You're to quote Blink-182, what's my age again? <laughs> well, it's really about all the small things here on this podcast. <laughs> That's so funny because I have a Blink-182 la- joke later in this episode. So Fantastic. Perfect. Well, let's dive in, shall we, to Handmaid's Tale Season 3, Episode 3, called Useful. Yep, Useful. Now, this is directed by Ama Asante. Uh, who directed and wrote, I believe, the movie Bell. Have you seen that movie? I love the movie Bell. Super good. Huh? So good. Has my once and future bae, Matthew Good, in a very Oof. small role, Oof. as well as a veritable who's who of crusty old British actors. And Draco Malfoy playing a racist. Ooh, I mean, again, you know, typecast. Very good movie, though. <laughs> um, she also wrote... A- yeah, anyway, not worth mentioning. But yes, she directed this episode. And our girl, Yalin Chang, who wrote the Smart Power episode and other episodes, wrote this episode. You can listen back in our archives. We actually interviewed her last season. Love Yalin. Yep, also Yalin. love the director of photography in this episode is Zoe White. Oh. There have been two other directors of photography on the show, and they've both been guys. Oh. So good on you, Bruce. Good on your team for having <laughs> a female director of photography. Yay. This has been my favorite episode so far wow. this season. I loved it. I felt like it did a lot of really great stuff that felt very specifically directed at the criticisms that I harp on constantly. Oh, interesting. I really thought they did some amazing work in sort of reconciling some of the world building and also some of the complaints we have about June being like this super heroine when one of my personal favorite things about the book is that she is kind of just like this dumb rando yeah. who isn't ambitious and she's not brave and that. she's just sort of this you know, every woman witness to what's happening. That's so a I'm, good point. Yeah, I'm really, really excited based on this episode. I'm like, okay, we're going to go some interesting places. Like, I may not love all of them, but I am definitely, my interest has been piqued. Ooh, yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it fine. I think my problem is a me thing and not a show thing. I'm just like kind of bored of this show. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just because like when you keep going, the stakes feel lower and lower. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't know if that's just because I'm like paying so close attention to it because of this podcast or because, you know, I'm experiencing this show right now when only you and I are experiencing it. And I might get my jollies back up when everybody is doing it together. I will say, I mean, the hardest thing about doing this podcast is that like, it's just you and me. It's like tunnel vision. We're Mm -hmm. like, uh, okay, (laughs) we're living in Gilead and everybody else is still in like Westeros and stuff, (laughs) Um, which, you know, uh also a bad place yeah i I don't want to be in this world i want to be like excited about this and i'm sure i will be when everybody else and i mean and i'm you know i'll be excited for the both of us this is exciting i feel like usually i'm the bad cop (laughs) 
who's like, Meh, I don't want to do this. I actually thought, and we'll get into this as we like go like point by point, but I thought this was the first episode I felt scared for anybody. Really? Yeah. Man, I must have been just in a bad mood last night. You, I think. Maybe you have been. Listen, don't <laughs> negate felt- your feelings. <laughs> I'm trying a new allergy medicine. It's Look, making me feel weird. Conflict is the soul of drama. And so it's important for us to have differing opinions. Okay. So my first note about season three, episode three, entitled Useful. I wrote already excited because SJ is in the thumbnail. I wrote, okay, what is Whitford's actual deal, though? Because in the previously <laughs> on, Christ. it was just kind of like, you know, going through, you know, Whit's greatest hits. And I was like, what? Is- I don't get it him like he makes no sense i will say this episode kind of ended my love affair with fun dad commander i was like I, ah, i'm over it i like him more now oh wow like, i like him more as a character uh-huh. i can't decide how i feel about him as a person well that's great yeah so the first thing we hear is the sounds of hanging oh look hey june it's all the marthas you doomed oh my god <laughs> I know this is how I know I'm getting too jaded of this show. As soon as I heard that sound, I'm like, it's gonna be hanging. Yeah. It's gonna be bodies. Where I feel like season one, I was like, no. <laughs> so much death. So scary. I'm like, yeah, 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 hanging, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Okay, how is she just sitting there by herself though? Isn't she supposed to have pious little shit with her? Make Gilead strict again. Well, and, and and then she's talking about like, oh, am I, you know, am I being stupid? And I was like, Yes! You stupid, <laughs> stupid dum-dum! How, how is this even a question in your inner monologue? Like, if you're not waking up every day, June, and saying, blessed be the fruit, you dumb bitch, every time you look in the mirror, you're doing it wrong. That's what I do when I wake up. <laughs> the writing here is pretty deft because it talks about the difference between, like, heretics and mm-hmm. martyrs. Yeah. Do you have, right off the bat, a definition for heresy? Because I feel like I know kind okay, of, but so I'm not sure. a heretic. This is like within like the Catholic tradition. Sure, that's what I know. You know, write yep. what you know, podcast what you know. <laughs> that's what. it so is. So a heretic yeah. is somebody who speaks or behaves directly in defiance of an established religious tenet. Ah, okay. So you could be declared a heretic in Catholicism by saying, hey, you know when there's communion and they turn the blood and wine into the body and blood of Christ? I don't believe that. That's not real. Oh, I see. Um, If you say, I don't believe Mary was a virgin, that's heresy. And like famous heretics are like Sir Isaac Newton. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think he got... Like, that was, like, Church of England, so that's... Oh, okay, yeah, sorry. he was just a weird dude. Um, you're <laughs> thinking, I think, more of Galileo. I am 100% thinking yeah. of Galileo. Yeah. I have, like, white scientist man... <laughs> blindness. History blindness. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Albert Einstein, I don't care. That's interesting. Now, Thank what you. I will say, kind of to that point about martyrs and heretic, when they had all the Martha's heads covered, I was like, mm, we should do this with, like, school shooters. What? Well, not... No, 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 not the hang... But just, like, don't show us their faces. That is fascinating well i no, love this. that's what they did in new zealand when yeah. there was that mosque shooting uh-huh. the prime minister and the media they were like we're not showing this person's face Holy fuck. i can't remember if they said their name or not but like that's why a lot of these guys and it's always guys am i right <laughs> that's why they do it because they're like oh like that's how i'm gonna like get my 15 minutes and that's how i'm gonna have my worldview validated that's and validate so the worldview of all these other like malcontents you don't think that there's a benefit to putting a face to something like that to show you that like people who do this are not you know scary monsters they are like the shithead kid you sat next to in church well to jump way ahead in this episode (laughs) how tempting it is Ah! to humanize anyone 
I did want to say, Yalin, that's a gorgeous line. I'm getting chills just saying it. Anyway, no, they mm-hmm. are monsters. I don't care that they sat next to me. Mm-hmm. Normal people don't do that. Oh, I'm not saying to create empathy. I'm more saying to disabuse people of the notion that the only people who do bad things are like abstract. Mm-hmm. I'm more of like saying like we need to be aware that bad people are among us. Are you a student of history? I mean, I guess not, because I confuse <laughs> Galileo and Newton. I just, I don't think that it actually works that way. Okay. Because even on the news, like, even if you see that it's another human, yeah. it does, like, look, I'm super jaded. I see a school shooting now, and I'm like, well, okay, you know, I hate Mondays. Which is funny, because that is a song about school shooting. I know. Ooh, uh, I just cool. edited that episode, so Oof. it's top of mind. Anyway, I think we should not give them the publicity. Okay. Talk about the victims. Yeah. Because is- they're the ones who suffer. There are plenty of better people to put on the cover of Rolling Stone, like Macklemore. That was a great picture, Rolling Stone, circa 2012. Well, I enjoyed it. I do not enjoy Macklemore. <laughs> we don't have time for this. We don't have time for this. But that's a great point. I think that's really interesting because there is that point in the beginning where they're trying to decide, like, is this the person Mm -hmm. who I doomed? And it's kind of like, we don't know. I mean, I assume many of those Marthas helped with June's aborted escape attempt. Oh, geez. Um, Whether that's why they're up there. Like, look, Marthas are really good at multitasking. I feel like at any moment, the Marthas who are part of the Resistance <laughs> Network all have at least five things they could be hanged for. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think Ama Asante does a great job, and I don't know if this is her job or Zoe White's job of, like, framing shots, mm-hmm. but damn, this is gorgeous with just the foot in the foreground and the yeah. three women and I mean, in the and background. I think it's a collaboration. I mean, yeah. I think Zoe's the one who executes, mm-hmm. where Ama is the one who's like, okay, like, this is what it should be. Uh. And, you know, and you know, and it's like anything else, a collaboration. I love it. One of a billion great shots. Anything else you want to say about this first scene? <laughs> okay. So because nothing matters and everything is permissible, <laughs> Alma and Janine come over to June and they're, you know, kind of trying to figure out June's especially concerned that one of them is Cora, who Whitford exiled from Fundad right. Central. They're kind of talking about I forget what the substance of their conversation was, but a guardian comes over and says no talking and then hustles Janine and Alma away. But June, I don't, you know, I don't know. Like, does she have a special pass? She's like, oh, she's okay. She's allowed to corpse view today. It's her turn. The only thing I could think about it is it's like right in front of their house is the impression I get. I I don't know. But I mean, maybe like maybe that's where she's supposed to meet her walking (laughs) partner and they know that. But the next shot is of this gorgeous like Alice Waters Chez Panisse kitchen that apparently... Whitford has but it's great because it's it's really reminiscent of several other shots from the other seasons of June walking towards the fire Mm -hmm. and also I'm obsessed with those fires in that house that is a really cool architectural thing great like oh my gosh he saw the marketing campaign (laughs) for season two of The Handmaid's Tale and was like love it love it (laughs) and then this goes into the whole notion of to be a man watched by women which I believe is is they're pulling a I they think pull Yalin, a lot from the book. So, yeah. Yalin, we see your respect for Maggie Atz's text, and we love it. We love it. That's a direct quote from the book. So there's a new Martha at Fun Dad Central. Uh-huh. Her name is Sienna. Sienna. I think she's our 
first South Asian cast member. It appears to it be. It appears to you be. You know what? Genuinely, speaking to your comment about getting the note, mm-hmm. I saw a black wife. Mm-hmm. I saw, I believe I saw a black commander. Like, they were like, all right, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes. But I mean, also, there's still not like... Yes, of course. ...main characters. But Listen. anyway... Look, listen. They're doing more than almost anybody else on television. I gotta so. give them props. We gotta give them props. Gotta give them props. I think it's part of the voiceover, or she's saying it to Beth, but we're all disposable. Yep, I read The that. idea that nobody is safe, mm-hmm. even with Fun Dad. Nobody. Possibly especially with Fun Dad. Yeah. He's very petty and cruel in a way we haven't quite seen in this episode. We've known he's mercurial Oof. and unpredictable, and he makes Sienna cry. Yeah. He says something about, oh, isn't it part of the job description that Martha's are clean? And I couldn't even tell, like, if it was that she had, like, picked up, like, the tea or something that he had spilled yeah. or that she had, like, been off doing something else and had to rush in. And I just wrote down men who make women cry. That's just something to kind of consider, like, men who just kind of do it for fun. Yeah. And... We cry because we've been socialized to prize their approval and to use it as this measurement of like, we're good and right when we are seen as worthy by them, I guess. And that really comes into play in sort of the go get the book scene. Yeah. Really. So it's something (sighs) I hate it. Like I hated that and I loved it. Of course. Yeah. So it's something to think about is like she sets this up and ends the episode with the idea of women watching men, Mm -hmm. but so much of this is about men watching women and Mm -hmm. what that does to us knowing that gaze during this scene with whitford being awful (sighs) all i could think of was that line from party down oh boy are we having fun yet (laughs) oh please please put adam scott in the handmaid's tale adam scott would be such a great like just kind of like goofy ass commander oh my god i heard judd apatow once say that like every time adam scott is in something it feels like a special guest star coming in and that would feel like that so yes uh put adam scott in the (laughs) We want Adam Scott. We want Margot Martindale. Hell yeah. Uh, Titus Burgess, like just in case, you know? Yep, yep, yep. So he talks about this whole rigmarole of the penalty for handmaids opening doors. I gotta say, I got bored real fast with this whole, he's saying one thing, but he's meaning another thing. This whole like breathy, like word banter that happened this episode. I was fucking over it. Word you mean go. like her internal monologue or like her talking to him? Her talking to him. Every okay. conversation with Whitford, save for like the last, last one, I hated. The thing that bugged me about June this episode was... The fact that she was not schooling her face. Uh, like, yeah. she kind of lost that ability. You know, but I mean, I appreciated Whitford making Gilead strict again in yeah, his own that's true. inimitable fashion. And I don't really feel like by the end of the episode, we necessarily have, I think we, we have a better sense of him, but we don't understand him. And again, I'm, I'm so excited to talk about like that last scene between them. <laughs> okay. But so like, we'll, you know, put a pin in it. We'll get there. So he talks about having the commanders meet here at his house instead of commuting, which <laughs> the most relatable thing he has He's ever like, said. Yeah, I hate commuting. Like, uh, I'm like, I just like not with a like casual cruelty part, but I just want to be as lack of fucking daisical as this guy. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, whatever. I mean, I guess it's sort of like with great power comes great ability to just sort of be like. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> so all the commanders 
come to his house, which is a great device because it brings Nick back. It brings Fred back. Yeah. I mean, we don't see Nick until June winds up coming in. And I wrote, is Nick a commander now? What the fuck? Man, I didn't clock that. I just thought that he like changed his clothes. No. Well, he talks about it with June later specifically. I didn't get it. Well, because I just thought that he had the same jacket and like insignia as everybody else i do love whoever this this commander is this like brett easton ellis reject (laughs) but i think it's him like when they're talking about the colonies it's when they're all coming in and somebody's like oh they're not worthy of the colonies yeah and i all i could think of was like a quiz in gq like is your girl colony worthy (laughs) take our quiz (laughs) yeah but i'm guessing that's an argument for execution i'm like it is, I was like, I don't know what you've heard, but the colony is like pretty low bar yeah. to get in there. So they talk about bringing this shipment of females from Chicago, mm-hmm. which is so sad because, you know, so many of them are improvisers. <laughs> yes, and <laughs> I, yes, I know I'm not supposed to object, but <laughs> I want to object. <laughs> and they say they've got a shipment of women from Chicago and they want to salvage them, which is we remember from the book and from season one, I think is like big, like mass execution. Yeah. And that comes into play later. I'm like not to be confused with participation. No, different, different mass murder. Then Fred comes in. Fred is such a fucking dumbass. Like, Fred is like. I wrote several times. I'm like, toughen the fuck up, Fred. She's playing you like a goddamn fiddle and you let her every time. So she said in the scene where where Whitford gives her her like first of like 17 dressing downs this episode, (laughs) she says something about like she's going to need powerful allies. Yeah. And I guess that's Fred. Um, I have to say about this scene, least favorite adaptation of the Laurie and Joe library scene from Little Women ever. (laughs) Just the worst. (laughs) She didn't even scorch the back of her dress, you know? Um, yeah. Although I did write, like, this conversation with Fred and playing on his need to be a savior that you love to talk about. Yeah. Uh-huh. This is the first half smart thing she's done in a really long time. Yeah. It's just so funny that just, like, Fred does not learn. Like, that drive for him to be, like, the most chivalrous, the, like most like liked goodest boy he's not like those other commanders i know it's so dumb he likes scrabble (laughs) jeez louise (laughs) um actually i will say fred has my favorite scene in this whole episode coming up later but um, boy she she like fucking plays him like a fiddle to get information about whitford and he said we've always found him a bit hard to read he's a survivor he's particularly well suited to it those are the two things. Oh, and he's instrumental in Gilead's, cre- Gilead's creation. He's a visionary. So we get a lot of half useful things. One thing that literally just popped into my head. Yeah. So if he's a survivor, mm-hmm. age-wise, I'm like, was he a veteran of Vietnam? Like, oh. where? Because however sort of twisted and misplaced it might seem, mm-hmm. there is some sort of altruistic impetus behind what Whitford is trying to do. Do you mean in terms of forming Gilead? Yeah, like, because he talks, this is, again, my favorite scene that we haven't got to yet, but when he talks about he's trying to save the planet for future generations, Uh because it's like he doesn't seem like a true believer. Yeah. Also, he later wants to pick up a Darwin book, which means that he's not like this evangelical 
right. like science denier. It feels to me like he's more of an opportunist That's a who is just like, okay, these people have this social capital that I can exploit to bring some of this stuff to fruition. That's interesting. And, that- and again, because if he's hard to read, it's like, okay, so they're not having deep theological conversations mm-hmm. with this guy. But I mean, you know, like, honestly, like, props to Whitford for having a strong personal brand. Because <laughs> every time June goes to anybody in this episode, is like, what's his deal? They're like, we don't know. <laughs> we have no fucking clue. But that's interesting, because if what you're saying is true about him being an opportunist, that makes him a lot like June in this episode, which mm-hmm. is very cool. And then I think it's after Whitford comes in and kind of breaks up the party between Shakespeare in Love and mm-hmm. June. He says something, I think, to Fred about like, oh, I guess you two know each other. And Fred's like, oh, yes. Ew. Yeah, that was what I wrote. That was my yep. note. <laughs> the next scene is Serena. Yay! Uh, and then I wrote 14 exclamation points. Her mom! I wrote, are you high, Serena? <laughs> and then I wrote, Serena's mom! I'm so excited about this. The actress is Layla... Yep. Robbins, who played the mom in Trains, Planes, and Automobiles, which I've never seen. <gasps> More relevant to my interest, she played young Livia Soprano in The Sopranos. Oh. Um, so Tony Soprano's horrible mother, she played oh. the young version. She's also married to Robert Ciccoli, who played the role of Jekyll and Hyde on Broadway. Oh. So Got a lot going for her. Way to, way to lock that down. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited to see her. I wrote, aw, yes, hell yeah. I was very excited. <laughs> so initially, I was a little confused because we see Serena getting ready with Rita. And I was like, is Rita traveling with Serena now? And then I remembered their house burned down. So I was like, where else is she going to go? That makes sense. I didn't clock. I'm sure it's not important, but I rewound it several times and I can't tell who they're saying whose dress she's borrowing. I couldn't get that either. So if anybody heard it clearly, please let me know. Well, yeah, because we don't have subtitles. And so if you can have the closed captioning on. I'm sure it's not important. I was just interested to know. I love the line. I don't want to hang out with your friends, mom. And I love that Serena's mom is very like, I want to show you off to my friends and like just the sort of like drama of the gifted child that's happening here. Yeah, I really I got to say, I do love low status. Serena is so interesting to play with. And like, what a juicy time Yellen must have had trying to form this is because I think it's so interesting to play with this character who we've gone on such a journey with this whole show of like being really scary and high status to now being so broken. I mean, she's broken. I just feel like just in terms of status. Like, from the public perception, people know what's happened, but she still has her status in the community. I'm meaning, like, in storytelling-wise? Right. I just, I feel like I don't think of status as an internal thing. Okay. That's I'm just a difference literally in just opinion. talking in, okay. like, writing. Also, speaking of status, Serena's mom is dressed all in black. So oh. I don't think we've seen this previously. Mm. My assumption is that it's a widow Thing. We've never heard anybody talk about oh, Serena's father. I assumed he was just in the shed because that's what my dad would always be doing <laughs> when I would visit. <laughs> yeah, I love this. The transition here is gorgeous because the Serena scene ends with her looking into a mirror, which we get a lot of this season already. Mm-hmm. And it opens with June polishing a plate and mm-hmm. looking at her reflection there. Really neat. There's a lot of like gorgeous transitions here. It's during the meeting and she gets called in by Sienna to go pour drinks because Sienna's not pouring fast enough right 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 which is also like fuck them because when June goes to fill their glasses everybody's glass is like basically full nobody needs a, a topper I mean, look, nothing that Whitford does in this episode is, <laughs> is pr- nothing is prompted by necessity 
he's just like, oh, I'm fucking big deal. So yeah, I get agree. in here. <laughs> oh yeah, this is Joey Lawrence's house. Everybody, <laughs> <laughs> anything goes. It's a house of brotherly love, baby. <laughs> So she goes into the room with all the commanders and Nick is there. This is when I realized he was a commander. Wow. Um, yeah. And then the table. they're talking about the resistance, you know, having some traction in Chicago and the Brett Easton Ellis reject <laughs> really is, is trying to convince everybody that they should bomb Chicago. Mm-hmm. Whitford shuts that down very quickly. He says, no, there are women and children there. And um, improvisers. <laughs> There's, There's a, a of- special place in the colonies for improvisers. <laughs> and the Brett Easton Ellis reject also calls the colonies a slap on the wrist. And I was like, we've, <laughs> we've been there. It's pretty bad. It's like take your whole wrist. I mean, and he seems he just seems like he's got this very binary idea yeah. about punishment being like either you're dead or you're useful. <laughs> useful. Whoa. What? The title of the episode. <laughs> And I was very annoyed with this scene. This was in the writing for me. But like when he so he puts June on the spot because they're all kind of like, you know, women, am I right? And he is like, oh, of Joseph, you used to be a book editor. Aren't there books about like the the differences between men and women? And she's like, you mean all of stand up comedy from <laughs> 1979 to the present? Um, <laughs> she pulls out like an Amy Schumer tape and is like, do you want this? And he he says, oh, you were probably thinking of Darwin's The Descent of Man. Mm. And then he's like, go get it. No, I thought that this was a test in the same way that she was like, oh, do you want me to get the door? And he was like, what's the penalty for him oh. in opening the door? Because I would, if I was June, I would have been like, I can't read, sir. Like, oh, it's such a weird thing. And I, I feel like Yellen's a really smart writer. So I think we're going to pick this thread up again. So he does guide her to the book because initially I was like are you telling this bitch to read in front of all your friends like I'm very confused yeah. but then he's like oh it's the black one with like yellow lettering I mean obviously June can still read but it's just a really awkward scene and she like kind of has to like kneel down to give it to him oh and wait, this wait, is- wait wait you're glossing over a big part when they go to his bookshelf and it's all books that he's written Oh, was it? Oh, baby. Here I come. I paused it. I read all the titles and I wrote them down, baby girl. What? Mm, All right. Oh, my God. This was, yeah. You're blowing my mind. Mm, mm, mm. Sit back, baby. Let me wash you in knowledge. (laughs) So on the bookshelf, they're all books by Joseph Lawrence. So there's a chance it's the actor. (laughs) But I think we're meant to believe it's him. Yes, I have signed copies of Woe. Volumes one through seven. There's one co-written by Melissa Joan Hart, but we don't really like that one. Um, oh, I loved that show. Oh, it was good. So here we go. The books that I could see that Joseph Lawrence wrote, and I paused it several times, are he wrote the book Problematic Populism with the subtitle 
X, I couldn't see the first word, during the fertility crisis and the long-term effects on American prosperity. Okay. So problematic populism. And just in case you don't know, because I had to look it up, because the only reason I know of the term populism is from the musical Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson, <laughs> the less popular Hamilton, really. Populism is a political approach that strives to appeal to ordinary people who feel their concerns are disregarded by established elite groups. Trump, much like uh, Andrew Jackson rode a populist wave to the White House. Well, to me, I don't know what this book is about, but problematic populism to me, that sounds like Sons of Jake... What's his name? Jacob. Sons of sons of Jason. It's just a guy. Uh, no, no, no. That was the Golden Fleece. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A um, popular form of birth control in Greek times. <laughs> but uh, Sons of Jacob, to me, just on title alone, feel like problematic populism because they're people who feel like they're the populace and they fuck shit up. Maybe. But anyway... Uh, I would I would say from my perspective, we don't know quite enough about Sons of Jacob yet okay. to say that. And also, like, populism can be, like, left-wing, moderate, or right-wing. Oh, interesting. Like, it's not restricted by alignment with, like, the spectrum of, like, conservative mm. to liberalism. Okay, interesting. So, I.e., like, Bernie Sanders is an example of a populist on the left. Absolutely. And Trump is an example of a populist on the right. Beto, he's just like right in the middle in that he stands for nothing and is pointless. <laughs> <laughs> so let us know what you think about the title of that book. Other books that he wrote are The Case for Relaunching the Mercantile Economy in Developing Nations, The Brink of Extinction. So he's clearly like this guy who wrote a bunch of books about what was happening on the world mm-hmm. and like inconvenient truthing Gilead into his formation mm-hmm. in that way. So he's like a charming Al Gore. <laughs> who destroyed the internet Aww. instead of making it. <laughs> anyway, that was just the little digression. Like, okay. all of the books on his bookshelf are his books. That makes a later scene make a lot more yes. sense to me. Because I was like, bitch, what is you saying? <laughs> that, that, that is what okay. the bitch is saying. And then one of the books that's by the Descent of Man is The End of Alchemy, the subtitle Money, Banking, and the Future of the Global Economy. So this guy Was that is, by him? No, this was by another author whose okay. name I couldn't make out. Yeah, you were supposed to get from that scene that he is this like guy who predicted everything or like mm-hmm. was an architect through his sort of writings. Anyway, go ahead, kneeling, giving the book. Yeah, so she kneels down to give him the book and he says, see, women can be useful and oh, <laughs> they laugh so hard. Oh my God. And this is exactly what it's like when your boyfriend is nice <laughs> to you in private, but real mean when he's in front of his friends. God, I um, got college flashbacks. Yeah, hard. no, like it's, and he's not even that nice to her in private, but like, ugh. anyway, June, June's face is very unschooled in this scene and i <laughs> just wrote that she needs to embrace radical apathy um <laughs> but i still wrote emos mad face is a thing of beauty it's really enjoyable the next scene is in serena joy's beach house and rita comes and gives her something and i couldn't see what it was because it's a far away shot and i wrote is it a fidget spinner oh no <laughs> i just wrote rita you made that I like, know. I was very impressed. Stunning. This <laughs> leather crap. I was like, oh my gosh, Rita, you have so many skills. You've heard of fingerless gloves. This was a gloveless finger. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, you're a treasure. I was very surprised that she like just leather worked that. Um, yeah. Well, you know, she's got nothing else to do because SJ mom 
or as I like to think of her, Serena's mom has got it going on. Oh, yeah, it doesn't have any. I'm in love with Serena's mom. Uh, she's got her own Martha. So yeah. Rita's just like, well, uh, I guess we're just out here at the coast. But I thought it was a beautiful scene because when she puts on her gloveless finger, she kind of holds her hand a little mm-hmm. longer. And the Serena Joy and Rita dynamic is one I just haven't thought of for a long time because there is a scene, uh, am I wrong, in earlier season where she fucking smacks It's after her. the baby shower. Yeah. And June says something rude. Ooh. June was talking about her baby shower for Hannah. Oh, yeah. And because Serena couldn't hit June, she hits... Rita. So they've had a fraught relationship. Yeah. So it's well, interesting. And, and Rita says something like, you're going to get through this, ma'am. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Bruegel, we love you. Please uh, come have brunch. Brugs. And Serena made a joke, didn't she? She says something like, crap, I don't, I didn't write Yeah, she made a joke. So it's like really yeah. the most amiable we've ever seen the two of them. So then they go downstairs and they're having a, her mom pitched it to her as Bible study, I thought. She she said a prayer group. Oh. So this isn't like out of the ordinary. My and it's heathen like, mind yeah. just So it could, them. like, it could be that they are going to do some Bible study, but primarily what's happening, this was very alias grace, by the way. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, my God. So there's a faith healer. Oh. Unclear how effective he is. I haven't seen his Yelp page. What do you think Yelp is called in Gilead? Scream. <laughs> it's just called Scream. He's praying over his wife, who is clearly suffering from cancer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's just a whole circle of people. Serena comes in and joins. And then he's like, does anybody else need healing? And then he's like, Serena. How about you? And I'm thinking this is just about her finger. Yeah. And then dude proceeds to air all of her dirty business in front of all of these quote unquote nice Christians. I know. I was surprised he wasn't like, also, please forgive her for that one time she tried to give him a blowy and he went limp in her mouth. Oh, that's a season one callback. That's weird oh, that you man. mentioned that priest. Yeah. And then they oh, get in. Also, the other most cringy Serena scene is like, and please forgive her for that one time she tried to put her dry ass titty in a baby's mouth. Oh, God, I forgot. <laughs> oh, oh. He knew a lot. Serena, you're nasty. You're nasty. <laughs> then they get into my least favorite part of the Bible. St. Paul, wives, be submissive unto your husbands. Um, going out on a limb would go back in time and kill baby St. Paul. <laughs> Although, I mean, it is, look, that whole, like, would you kill baby, blah, blah, blah. You know, some other dick is just going to do the same thing because, <laughs> you know, there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> and they pray for love as strong as death, which sounded like a spell to me. Mm, that's hot. That is kind of hot. Mm, that sounds like some autoerotic asphyxiation. <laughs> oh, like, ooh. No. We do not endorse autoerotic <laughs> asphyxiation. You wouldn't think we'd have to say that, but we should. I mean, uh, okay. <laughs> Look, just know the risks. Oh my God, have a spotter. <laughs> Then, do you want to talk any more about this scene? No, I mean, uh, I hate it when people pray at me or yeah, over me or me near me, me, to too. be honest. Me too. Yeah. Unless it's the hot priest in Fleabag season Which I still two. haven't watched. Ooh, girl. I'm just not, look, everybody I know is like obsessed with Fleabag. And I watched the first season and I liked it. But it's too close for comfort for me. I gotta say, I think the second season will feel less like that. Well, that's good because the first one was a real bummer. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yes. Uh, the second season... It, like ooh. anyway so this next scene is my favorite scene in the episode i had a feeling when you said that i was like i know what you're talking about so it's and again we have 
beautiful, beautiful lighting. And, and I was also, though, like, because you don't see his face a lot in this scene. I was like, this is a weird way to shoot an Emmy speech. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, oh, my God, are they like, are they going hard on Team Fred this year? I will say Shakespeare in Love did a great job. Well, and they scene. might be because there's a lot of prestige shows. It's uncle- like the, the consensus is not clear on whether they did this on purpose, but they have delayed their premieres so they don't have to go up against Game of Thrones final season for the Emmys. Very strategic and yeah. interesting. But either way, Joseph Fiennes kills it in this scene. And I have to say, I wrote down, because I thought it was very nice, the term, the line, I dole out to myself little helpings of you. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a bad person in the show. That line made me way... <laughs> I felt very uncomfortable and skeptical from the beginning of this scene because I was like, where are you? Oh, did you know? Huh? Did you know where they were? No. Oh, I didn't either. I didn't either. But, But I was like, Serena can't possibly be like, they're not at this point. I wasn't sure initially. I was like, is he staying with her at her mom's? That's what I thought, And then, like, the whole thing with her having been at, like, the prayer circle. I was like, okay, he's not here. I don't think that Serena's mom would dare to ambush her in that way if Fred was there. And I also didn't think that, like, they had one weird, like, Spencer's gift bedroom in their house. Because <laughs> it was lit with, like, neon pink and purple. I guess so, so. Like, I don't know what I thought. My first knee-jerk reaction was like, oh, they aren't staying at the beach house. They have, like, a hotel uh-huh. nearby. Yeah. I had a pretty keen sense that he wasn't... So here's what I thought and why I like this scene is because I was imagining several different things. I had a feeling he wasn't, like... This this wasn't him talking to Serena in a relaxed after, place. After a couple of lines, I definitely picked up on it. Like he's rehearsing this. So what I thought, just because I was like, something big happened, something big happened. I was like, did he hurt Serena? And mm-hmm. the thing is going to pan out and she's oh. like crying and hurt somewhere. God forbid. But like, is that going to be? And he's like trying to save him having hurt her Mm -hmm. with this. But I love the reveal that he's practicing at Jezebel's. I think that is so like, it's perfect for the character because he is the type of person that would hire a gorgeous sex worker, you know, have sex with her and then be like, anyway, you want to hear some of my poetry (laughs) about my wife? Like, oh, God, it's so good. I've been this speech about how I'm going to change my ways. Um, Fuck, it's so good. Like, don't worry. Like, you know, I'm going to tip you. Um, But what he says about Serena is so great, too, because we just are at this scene where it says that the woman needs to be submissive and subservient to the man. Mm -hmm. And he, in his own mind, is reframing it a little bit. Like, I wanted you. And you're what makes me. Mm -hmm. Not the other way around. Even though we know that's not true. And we know that his dynamic is not that Mm -hmm. way. He is selling it to her. And I think in his heart, he believes that. Well, God has made him master of an incredible woman. I hate it. I hate it. (laughs) Listen, Boy, this is a good scene. Emotions are running high. Yeah. <laughs> let's take a little. Let's take a little breather. Okay. Breathe in and out. Boy, let's move on from Fred's dumb fuckery <laughs> to even yet still more dumb fuckery at Fun Dad Central. <laughs> now I gotta say, I love Yellen. I am not a TV writer. I don't know what I'm doing. I really thought the handling of Atwoodian dialogue was crappy in the oh, beginning really? of this scene. In the beginning of this scene, I really liked it, even though she didn't. 
compose her face but but also i don't know i thought it was good in that like she's like i have to compose myself and then oh that's not what i'm talking about wait what are you talking about go ahead talk about because i think that was good this is yeah this is like the internal like thing of like oh Uh i have to compose myself because she's revving herself up to go try and like give uh what did she call it the handmade special um no (laughs) the 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 red center special yeah ew (laughs) (laughs) she you know she's like okay well worked on one commander no i thought that was good and that is a line from the book the the composed like a speech that's Mm -hmm. a line from the book the part i thought was heavy-handed and honestly the more i think of it the more i think it's not about the acting it's not even about the writing it's that Atwoodian dialogue sounds weird spoken. Mm-hmm. It should be, you know, read or written or yeah. in like internal monologue. So I winced when he's like head of the household. It's mine to hold, to have and to hold. I'm like, motherfucker. Come on. <laughs> this is weird Wait, to hear. Whitford was saying that? Whitford okay. said that. And it's just like, I get that. It it's- worked for me because he's such a fucking wackadoo anyway. I thought it sounded silly. Yeah. Okay. But that's okay. Um, I love this episode. Yalin, let's be friends. I also want to be <laughs> friends. It just struck my ears weird, and I might be the only one. Here in the room, she's like kind of bringing him tea. He's got a lovely lager glass. He's had a beer. He's sitting in front of the one of the many fires in his house. He didn't start the fire. You know he loves that song. <laughs> he loves that song. <laughs> that is kind of funny. I mean, that's kind of interesting too. Not to go on another tangent, but like that, the Waterford's house caught on wildfire juxtaposed with a Lawrence house that literally has fires burning everywhere we and can is contained. control the fire because <laughs> we kicked out Cora maybe she got hanged <laughs> Bruce Miller Margaret Atz <laughs> Young Gilly. Chang they wear hats Molly got up and danced anyway so this was one of my favorite line readings of the episode though oh. because Alfred sorry of Joseph June thinks she's hot shit because she's really like flattering him and like really turning on what little charm she has in this scene and like Whitford like leans in like he's gonna kiss her and then he just goes did this really work on Fred? Ooh, I did think that was good. Oh that's what made me wet. I was like yes daddy. <laughs> that is very true. I think that was a very good line reading. It was so great. I like how he like and this is the only part the like only time when like husky line reading didn't bother me because he's pretending to be Fred Mm -hmm. and Fred loves nothing more than like a 30 rock like close talking contest Um, and so to see him like so aptly parody with pardon me Joe the other Joe (laughs) too many Joes Um, speaking of which though I think we need to scoot back a little bit to the very subtle I'm making an eye movement Binders full of women joke. What? You didn't remember? You didn't? You didn't? Did they that? say binders full of yeah. women? Nobody talks about that anymore. So he was asking if if she thought an accountant would make a good cook because he is looking through what we now know is sort of the dossier of women from the Chicago mm-hmm. Roundup, and he's like flipping through it and he's like, oh, I can't find the right person. Binders full of women. Am I right? <laughs> I I am genuinely sorry that I missed that because if a character was going to make that joke, it would 100% be fun dad, Bradley Whitford. Mitch was asleep when I was watching this and I woke him up because I was like, fuck you. (laughs) And Mitch is like, is something wrong? I'm like, no. Yes. (laughs) Men. Everything. Uh, So if you you were to 
U.S. resident or you don't remember, uh, Binders Full of Women is a sound clip from a Mitt Romney campaign speech Jesus or debate. Christ. where he Were was, we ever so young? I know. Jeez. Remember when Mitt Romney was like the worst of our problems? <laughs> and he, I don't quite remember the context, but it was like, do you staff women? And he's like, sure I do. I got binders full of women. And it was such like a flippant dismissive thing. Yeah. But what's kind of cool about it is it, spawned this movement where women have online communities called binders full of women which are very helpful for career development anyhow this is the scene where she talks about emily right yes because this to me i loved and made me love whitford more and kind of feel like i want to be his friend (laughs) this is what went for me a long way Mm -hmm. toward re-establishing june as this non-exceptional person Mm -hmm. because she's like okay like she's trying to understand him and she like tries to rag on his quote unquote esoteric books. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. honestly, June, like that's pretty cool. Like that. He wrote that, Yeah, you know, he dunked on society. He's got basically shelves and shelves of his own book at his house. He has one (laughs) and she's saying, Oh fuck. Cause he fucking gets her. He gets her good. Cause she's like, Oh, you know, yeah, I was editing esoteric books like yours, the ones you were writing. He's like, oh, what were you doing? Not picking up your daughter when she was sick at school. Mm. Boom. Mm. Boom. But you know what? I really have to... He does the research. He does the research. Like, make him the new Roastmaster General. Like, Honestly. he's doing great. Honestly. And so, because she said, like, I was trying to be a mother. Like, when she's like, why didn't she go to Canada? Because mm-hmm. she's like, well, you helped Emily. And he's like, yeah, Emily is an exceptionally intelligent <laughs> person. Yeah. And I think she might be able to do some good in the world, which is a real slap in the face for a social justice warrior, June. Yeah. Because, I mean, That's he's not wrong. Look, yeah. June only got involved with the resistance because of Emily. Yeah. Emily has murdered several people while she tried getting it look she's she's done more to Mm. weaken gilead Mm. than june has yes and i appreciated sort of like recontextualizing june Mm -hmm. not as superhero action june from Mm. the finale of season two and just as like hey you got you generally not great like you just are this person yeah Um, which is you know i don't have empathy for her or that i'm not interested in her journey but i just think that the central character of the handmaid's tale is a lot more interesting (laughs) if she isn't exceptional i think gosh you're hitting on a gorgeous point i love that and i think yalan gets that that like june is not exceptional and doesn't need to be for Mm -hmm. us to like her no and it's great that that whitford puts her in her place because that's true yeah and i mean again (laughs) We have wanted Gilead to be more strict. Yeah. And this is a kind of strictness that Commander Waterford can't do. No. Because as Whitford has pointed out in this, like Whitford has just dunked on everybody in every scene that he's been in because his character is thinking on a completely different level. Mm -hmm. He's able to divest emotionally, not only from the horrors that he's perpetrating, but also from like any kind of like moral or religious compunction that anybody might feel. Maybe you're selling me on this episode. Look, I I don't even mean to sell you. I just love it that much. (laughs) Like I'm not proselytizing. I just love this episode. And June, like, I forget what she even tried to say because my note just says, ugh, June, he don't care except that you got dunked on because she's like trying to get the last word in. I'm like, bitch, he wrote a whole book that was just him getting the last word. Okay, like, forget about it. 
Yeah, I feel it's that. not going to happen. I feel that. And I, I, I like the line that you said earlier, which is how tempting it is to invent a humanity for anyone at all. Woo! Well, because she does. She That's oh, She's like trying to like go in on him like, oh, you know, you think that, you know, all these things and you can justify what you're doing. He doesn't care. And I wrote again. OK, what is Whitford's actual deal, though? Because we still don't have an insight into this man. The thing that's absent from this episode that everybody should think about is we don't see Mrs. Lawrence at all this episode. Yeah. So what's up with her Bertha Rochester ass who (laughs) proved herself to be a lot more capable than we had thought last week? And then we've seen what up until this point I have no reason to disbelieve is genuine love and concern for this woman. Yeah. So... Later on, when when June says that Whitford is a psychopath, uh-huh. maybe she already said that. I think so. to whom did she say that to? She says it. I think she said that to Nick. Later. Okay, yeah. Okay, in so my she's least favorite psychopath, team. and I'm not. I'm not completely sold. Uh-huh. Like I don't know. I need to see more interactions between him and his wife. I agree, and I think we are going to get a lot of these answers. I would like to, I, I, it's like a storytelling thing that every character wants a certain thing. And if we got a chance to interview Yalin again, I would ask her like, what is Whitford's cornerstone? Like, what does he mm-hmm. want? Yeah. I, I have trouble assessing it out and I know that's on purpose, but I just would I like mean, to know writing wise. I think he's trying to revive the human race. Oh, yeah. And not necessarily because people deserve it or are moral. He just thinks humanity, you know, he's my guess that more than anything, he's like a secular humanist and he's like, I want human society to thrive. That's great. And this is the only way that I could think of to do it. Um, I think you hit something really strong there. So then Then when he says we're going for a drive, mm -hmm. this dude loves going for a drive. What is this American graffiti? Probably (laughs) that would be an appropriate (laughs) reference for Bruce and Whitford. They love it. They love it. (laughs) Another cool shot is the car looks like a handmade. Oh my god! The headlights are white. The taillights are red. Overhead shot. It's a handmade. I thought you meant when the DeLorean <laughs> wheels were up. I'm like, oh my god, it has wings. You're right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, <laughs> but also, it's a transformer. It's a handmade. <laughs> <laughs> Please have the Transformers handmaids crossover. We've been dying for for Tilani in disguise. <laughs> oh boy. So anyway, uh, he goes to the warehouse where <gasps> if you thought they were going to make an In-N-Out run, you are sorely mistaken. They go to this warehouse. They where were it- out of Neapolitan shakes. <laughs> That's fucked up because that means they were out of all flavors of the ice cream. <laughs> the worst part of Gilead. <laughs> were they lying to us? <laughs> if your ice cream maker is going to be broken, you might as well be McDonald's. God. <laughs> Anyway, God, those were a dark like three years when every McDonald's ice cream maker was broken. And now they don't even mix the McFlurries properly. I'm <laughs> upset. Anyway, so they go to where all these women are in internment. And this, I think, is a deliberate parallel to the ICE detention centers oh, yeah. of today. Oh, yeah. And it's just row upon row Fuck. of these desperate women. Jeez. And they know how fucked they are. Jeez. And I... Uh, I want a whole web series about the military strategy of the resistance Ooh, and like how they interact yeah. in these battles because it's sure. like there are still really significant massings of ground troops yeah. from the resistance. And I'm like, where are they located? What's their deal? Where are they getting supplied? Because we know mm-hmm. the only state that hasn't fallen 
is Hawaii, yeah. which I don't know what you've heard is not a super helpful military <laughs> base for a land war in North America. Never get involved in a land war in Hawaii when death is on the line. <laughs> I mean, isn't death always on the line? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what a dumb note. I wrote, fuck, I hate escape rooms. <laughs> That sucks. That's amazing. Um, You can tell Fun Dad stayed up last night and watched The Dark Knight because he's like, anyway, you can only save five of these people. You know that Heath Ledger had some pretty good ideas. So yeah, he puts forth like the moral quandary. Mm -hmm. He's like, okay, you pick five Marthas. I can choose five women to be Marthas. Everybody else will be going to the con. I think they're salvaged still. That's still on the table. Yikes. Yeah. Because he pulls his punches at the end. Yeah. But June in classic dumb June fashion is like, no, I'm not going to do it. And you know, actually this is also making me reconsider the ending of the previous season. Like we were all so mad at her for not going. And like, I do think that the writing and the cinematography set her up like in the same way that like everything that Daenerys did on Game of Thrones was like, yay, girl power. So like, it's not a totally clean thing, but I'm like, oh, maybe she's just fucking stupid as a rock. <laughs> so if we're leaning into June being stupid as a rock, I am okay with the ending of S2. June is just like, I'm not going to do it. You can't make me. And he's like, well, they're all going to fucking die then. And she's like, I hate you. You're not even my real commander. He says, go wait in the car. <laughs> she does. <laughs> the next scene is sj by the sea and i thought she was gonna virginia wolf it in this scene i wrote a similar thing in a later scene (laughs) you can always tell who like the sad dark and complicated girls are because we're like oh my god are you gonna virginia wolf it (laughs) a lot of water references and themes in this episode transposed with june's whole arc which is so Mm fire-based Ooh. Ooh. I am like rocking your world mm. today. Ooh, honey. <laughs> so she goes inside and I guarantee you had the same thought that I did. I was like, ooh, I want warm pumpkin soup. Actually, I don't like the taste of pumpkin. Oh, darn. Yeah. Well, so more pumpkin soup for you. Also did- a very good Kate Nash song. <laughs> Accurate. I did really enjoy her mom making a reference to climate change where she's saying, Oh, you've been in the city with the mild weather. You know, you forget about how we have to live in the elements out here. It's a combo. I think of like climate change, but also just living on the coast. And she tells Serena, you know, get out of your wet clothes. And Serena's like, I don't want to, I'm fine. (laughs) And it is, it's just the way that like, anytime you go home to visit your family, you revert into like the most hormonal teenage version of yourself. Yeah. Serena joy goes back up to her room and on the, on the on the wall is like a I don't know who's a cute guy. It's like an AC Slater poster. And she's like, "You get me, AC." <laughs> yeah, and I love I love that we see where Serena gets this sort of dual nature mm-hmm. of like very loving, very nurturing, and then this icy, cruel edge. Mm-hmm. Because we hear her mom when she's like, "Serena, enough with the drama." I yep. was like, "Ooh." Yep. That's where it comes My from. notes for this scene are just classic mom moves. Oh, geez, she gets yeah. in there. She finds all of Serena's weaknesses and just sticks her finger in every single one of them. And she's not, from a logistical standpoint, wrong at all. Right. And oh my God. <gasps> yeah. Okay. Uh, two thoughts. I feel very strongly that the character of Serena's mom is based on Margaret Atwood in her look and the way that she speaks. 
I just have Maggie ass on the brain, maybe, but I just felt like the way she carries herself and it's like a face shape thing. But I'm like, okay, but Maggie Atz is very pragmatic. And I just really liked seeing this character. Mm-hmm. And we don't get in the same way that we don't get a sense of like whether Whitford is completely on board with like the Gilead of it all. But it's like, you know, she has her prayer group and she's very proud of her daughter for having co-architected this thing and having this really high position in that society. But like, she's just like, this is the world we live in. This Mm -hmm. is what you have to do. Mm -hmm. At the end of the scene, I don't know if there's anything else that you want to call out there. Mm -mm. I screamed. I was actually checking my phone to like text you um, as I was watching this in my room. And when her mom said you allow, you gave your child away and it wasn't even your child. Ooh, I screamed too. I screamed, oh, fuck. Yeah. And I was like, I'm sorry, neighbors. Yeah. So sorry. I have visceral reactions to that too. What do you, what do you make of that? Just like a parting shot? What, is, what does she want her to do? I think that she wants her to stop thinking with her dick. Like. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> no, I mean, look. Gilead can only function if you don't think of handmaids as people. Mm. What Serena Joy forgot about was that that was supposed to be her child. Mm. The whole point of the society was supposed to be to create more children and keep them in Gilead. And she lost sight of the goal. Interesting. She lost sight of her status. Yeah. I don't, you know, her mom just wants her to get back with Fred. Yeah. At the end of the day. And look, she's already pretty broken. I think her mom, to a degree, just wants to kick her when she's down. I don't think people don't need a reason to be cruel. Yeah. You know, Oof, it's really I mean, good. did Serena need to bitch slap Rita that time? No. Yeah. No. Very good scene. I love this dynamic so much. I didn't know that I really wanted to see Serena's mom until she came up. I did. <laughs> as soon as they came, as soon as she came up, I was like, show me. Show me. Um, I just picked up my Beauty and the Beast mirror and I was like, show me Serena's mom. <laughs> The next scene is my least favorite scene. <laughs> it's Nick standing outside and he's like, can we forget about the things I said when I was drunk? I didn't mean to call you that. I love this because, you know, I stand Beth. Oh, yeah. And Beth so he's ready. He knocks on the door and she sees him and she's like, I'm guessing you're not here for Aww. me. And I was like, damn, has he just like been making house calls? Good for you, Beth. Get it. Damn. I will also say logistically. Oh, they did such a good job this episode, I felt, with the world building and not doing anything completely fucking crazy after the business with the handmaids and the Guardian at the beginning. <laughs> but it's like, oh, so is Joey Lawrence just fine with Nick just coming in and banging the handmaid? Like, yeah. Like, don't you need a note? Yeah, it was really weird. They're really heavy sleepers, I guess. Or they're <laughs> quiet love makers. I was like, I don't even know what time it is. But like, oh, Nick comes up there and he's and she's super pissed at him for being a commander. And she's saying, like, I need you to get me information about Commander Lawrence and, like, all these things. And I'm like, God damn it, June, you used up all your chances. You had all these chances and you used them up. Nick's only there because he's getting sent to the front in Chicago. Yeah, he's trying to get his dick wet. And he succeeds. I was disappointed in Can her. Can I say, though, I will say, I think that the goodbye she gives him that line reading at least deserves an independent spirit award. Wait, which, which? Because he's like, I just came because like, I thought you wanted to say goodbye. And she goes, 
goodbye. Like, <laughs> she's very flippant about it. And I wish that the scene had ended there. I'm pissed that they had sex. Like, I am too. Although, like, I'm not sorry about the shot of, like, emo Nick outside her door. <gasps> I was <gasps> like, excuse me, me and my mouth will be right there, sir. <laughs> no, I was pissed at it because I thought, like, he's like, oh my God, this is going to make such a good song. <laughs> well, actually, when she came out, I wanted to hear like an orchestral arrangement <laughs> of, do you? Oh, Lord. Forget about Keep me. Keep that fucking song away from this show. <laughs> when you come back. No. No. The, note, the only note that I wrote for the end of that scene was all caps, girl, spelled with a U. I wrote, does Daddy Lawrence know you have a boy in your room? <laughs> <laughs> Keep the door open. That's the rule. <laughs> God. <laughs> I fucking hated that they had sex. I did too. I I'm like Ugh. I'm like Nick. I don't know what's going on. Just go and die because that's what's gonna happen. Look, Nick's gonna die. Yeah, yeah. They they went like all of season two without anybody important dying. Yeah, it's time. Good. He's the most expendable member of the core cast. I agree. Uh, the next morning, dumb note. But in the previous, in like several scenes ago, when the commanders are there, the shutters are open behind her, and in this one, all the shutters are closed. Oh, fascinating. Don't know what that means. Just interesting to note. Consult my dream dictionary. Oh, I don't actually have one. It's <laughs> right. the internet. SJ comes to <gasps> visit. I was so excited. I wrote SJ 100% this bitch. Yeah. But also can handmaids just have visitors? <laughs> I like, guess so. They can have <laughs> conjugal visits. <Shit. laughs> well, I mean, I guess if she gets pregnant again, that's great for Joey Lawrence's cover story. I know. Seriously. <laughs> He's like, wow, we didn't even do the ceremony. This is great. Lord. Offer wants to get the band back together but serena joy is more timid than that yeah and when she's like you know i know that you're scared use it i'm like what is this my freshman year acting class (laughs) jesus christ there was a lot of that going on (laughs) somewhere the improvisers are like play to the truth play to the truth yes and you're scared and and (laughs) then this song comes in which i liked and you didn't like i assume i did not care for it so this song is like i think it's how does it feel by roy harper Mm -hmm. is from 1970 i really liked it and i especially liked it because the it seems lyrically resonant to me like there's a part where he says you can feel bona fide if you ride the tide, but it's not real. So to me, that speaks to this whole thing about Serena Joy is like, just go with the program, buddy. And mm-hmm. like, you are high status. Just go with it. Well, you know, she after her meeting with June, she goes back to her mom's house mm-hmm. and she does pull a Virginia Woolf. I wrote, oh, my God, is she going to Kate Chopin? <laughs> I was in a more awakening. Mood. That's fine. So, But she leaves. She leaves. She takes off Rita's loveless finger. Mm-hmm. And my note in all caps was Rita worked really hard on that (laughs) but then i realized she was gonna try to kill herself and i was like oh i guess she's like leaving it for the next person who tries to read i was so scared i i was not that i was not i was scared for june a lot this episode because i thought whitford was so threatening serena was gonna be fine i was like very nervous and my notes get really big and i wrote please just be peeing (laughs) please just be going out to the water because you need to pee and you don't want to walk up to the beach to find the bathroom so we get this scene kind of intercut with june making the choice that she is going to handpick the marthas Mm -hmm. she's informed by whitford that they're not going to be salvaged they're going to be sent to the colonies which as we have seen from emily it really is just a slap (laughs) on the wrist um oh your fingernails were falling off you're fine it's like summer camp (laughs) yeah (laughs) And one thing that didn't quite ring true for me was like 
So, A, I wasn't totally sure until this last scene. I was like, is Sienna in on the whole resistance thing? It seems like no, because June is telling Beth, I got five more Marthas for the resistance. She's got like an IT gal. She's got an engineer, an IT tech, a journalist, a lawyer, and a thief. Oh, girl, you know I love a thief. That's my, in Ocean's 8, uh, when Aquafina shows up, I'm like, yes. <laughs> I love that lineup. It's like, this summer on yeah. TLC, <laughs> an IT tech, a journalist, an engineer, a lawyer, and a thief get together in heist. I don't know. I didn't yeah. have a good ending it's for okay. that joke. I'm um, not like the improvisers in the cage. So they like they like quiet it down when Sienna comes in. And then June, I guess, has taken on the role of mm. like, you know, the motivator <laughs> around here. She's like, hey, Sienna. You survived another day. I'm like, bitch, he does not need your help. Leave Sienna alone. In that moment, June is me at every day job I've ever had ever where I'm like, I guess I'm the guy that keeps people happy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No. And I'm like, hey, June, leave her alone because we all know what happens to like minor characters of color on this show. Let her be. Be careful. So then we flash back. We go back to Serena in the water again, hopefully just peeing. (laughs) Very scared. And then she turns around and Fred is on the beach. The note I wrote for this is, boy, bye. <laughs> a, a pinky fingers up and a boy, bye. I mean, uh, boy, bye. She can't, She left it on You there. made one out of leather and a boy, bye. What we also get here is one of my favorite passages from the book, uh, yeah. which I couldn't believe we hadn't already done. Wow. Yeah. But it's where she's talking to her mother, Holly, and saying, yeah. mother, you wanted a women's world. We finally got one. It's just not what you wanted. Woo! And I love that. I love, you know, because this this is very, you know, Kate Bush women's work of an episode. Uh-huh. One thing, though, you know, June's going through her monologue about, you know, we watch the men, we learn their weaknesses, we know how to manipulate them. But I'm also like, in the same way that I don't want June's stupidity to be confused for heroism, it's like, don't confuse manipulating men with real power. If the only influence you have is always reactionary, it's not power, it's not equal. Like, Whoa, that's a gorgeous way to say that. I just, I understand what the point is and that they're, you know, they don't they don't have power or equality, but it's also just like for people who live here in the world now, like, yes, we don't have power or equality, but the goal is not to manipulate men. The goal is to be taken seriously on our own merits. Whoa. That reminds me of a passage we kind of glossed over in the scene where Whitford goes, if women don't want to be considered as their body parts why are they always using them yes to to get what they want to get what they want and she goes maybe it's just the men are distracted uh-huh. but you're right like that's not that's such a different power yeah when it's reactionary like yeah. that so just something to think about also my candidate for a better alternate song to end this episode oh. than the roy harper song would be the song white flag by dido oh, um, oh yeah, yeah it would have been a song that both serena and june would have listened to in like kind of cool. high school college because you know we got up to the year 2008 <laughs> yeah. uh with the first episode it's just like that's to me it's like two things it's like i don't want all this boomer music and yeah. women artists for god's sake <laughs> yeah that's a good in a, point. in a show about women yeah. and the struggles of women get those royalty payments out to chicks i will say my dream mashup would be get me an amanda palmer song or a dresden doll song somewhere in the handmaid's tale i don't know I mean, where she did go to school in boston yeah i feel like it's and she's too... in uh 
TV show now. It's too on the nose almost though with I her. Know, but I just, <laughs> I want what I want. No, truly the song, I, I think that's a great point. I think, I, cause I think what the show has established for the songs that it chooses, there's songs that are atmospheric rather than mm-hmm. narrative driven. Mm-hmm. And I think the vast majority, except for I don't like Mondays, but that one was so vague. Like if you didn't know what it was about. Yeah. But with Amanda Palmer, I, I feel like born in the USA is kind of narrative. E. I don't know. I just think of Bruce Springsteen as like the voice of America. <laughs> <laughs> JK, it's Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> I mean, personally, the song that I was waiting for was Survivor by Destiny's Child. That would also be acceptable. Like, there's just, there's so many. You know, give me some Britney, Stronger. Oh, girl. That would be doubly fraught, too, because now Britney's having so much trouble. Oh, Brit. Put Britney in this show. Okay, so we need. Of Kevin Federline. Well, we need Britney, we need Margot Martindale and Adam Scott. Done. We'll be set. Great. 400 seasons. All right. Well, that concludes our super long wrap up. I had a great time. I also had a great time. Great episode. Keep them coming. Show creators. I'm so excited to see what happens to all these people next. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your girlfriends. And no lite, teba, stardates, carborundorum. Dum, 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 d